Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Hey, if you got your Bibles, come with me to the book of Acts. I want to talk this morning about being battle ready. Battle ready. Battle ready. So there's a story, we'll get into that story in a minute. I was thinking about this, about, um, in the, you know, the story of David and Goliath. And I thought about David and Goliath, and I thought about the whole story. And we, most of us would know the story about, you know, how Goliath came out and challenged the Israelites every day. And Saul was a coward and ran and hid. And the Israelites, there was fear in them. And, and uh, David just happened to be coming from his, uh, his job as a shepherd under his father to bring food to his brothers. And as he's there, he hears Goliath shout his defiance against the uh, armies of the Lord or the armies of Israel. And David was perplexed. Because he didn't understand why these battle-hardened warriors and Saul, the battle-hardened king, was uh, in so much fear and withdrawing from Goliath when uh, they should have been engaging Goliath. And I had this thought, you know, because David wasn't battle-hardened. And, and, and I was thinking about this. Why was it that, that David was able to confront Goliath? Because it wasn't the fact that he had experience. He wasn't a warrior at that point. He wasn't battle-hardened. He hadn't fought the battles. Yeah, he'd wrestled a lion and a bear, but, but he hadn't gone to war. He had stayed back when his brothers had gone to war. When they were getting battle-hardened, he was back looking after the sheep as a shepherd. And, uh, and, and the only conclusion I could come to is David wasn't battle-hardened, but he was battle-ready. He was battle ready. He had, he had spent time with the Lord. He had, you know, day in and day out as he looked after those sheep, he, he wrote the book of Psalms. Psalm after Psalm after Psalm was sung in the fields as he was over, overlooking the sheep. And, 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 you know, he wrote Psalms like, I will fear no evil. They were the words that came out of his mouth. Why? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David had wrote in the, written these Psalms and it wasn't because he was battle-hardened, but he was battle-ready. He'd put the time in with the Lord. He'd put the time in with God. He had spoken and, 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 and had a, a devotion life that was saturated. Saturated? What's that word? Saturated. I can't even get it out now. In the presence of God. And because of that, whatever he faced... He was ready. So David flung the sling that took the stone. He took the stone and he flung the stone, but it was God that directed it. Why? Because David was battle ready and we need to be battle ready because we're going to face things in life and and we're going to be confronted with things in life and some of those things are not going to be our fault. Some of them will be our fault. Some of them are because we've made dumb decisions or stupid decisions and and have caused things to happen that are not good for our life and other things that have been inflicted upon us by others or, or just by the course of natural progression, we get faced with something that we don't know how to deal with. And sometimes our default is not to go to the Lord but is to go to our own strength. And so we start to confront things in our own ability. This was the problem with the Israelites. They saw Goliath and they were confronted with something and in their own strength, didn't think they matched up. 
which is crazy to think, right? Because God, they were the armies of the living God. David said those words, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would confront the armies of the living God? Who is this guy? David knew it. Why? Because he was battle ready. He may not have been battle hardened. And I'll tell you now, experience holds nothing to preparedness in the Lord. You may have all the experience of how God has worked in the past, but none of that matters anything if you're not ready for the present, for what is about to happen. We can't live out of yesterday's manner. We can't lift out, live out of yesterday's revelation of the Lord. We must get a renewed revelation of God every day of our life and come to Him and be prepared in Him for what we're about to face. And for some of us, maybe we're going through stuff and we haven't really thought about it, but we're approaching it in our own strength. And we're looking at it going, how am I going to, how am I going to do? And we're trying to manipulate. We're trying to find a way around. Well, maybe if I do this, or maybe if I, I speak to that person, or if I go to the bank and I talk to them about this, or, or maybe if I go and see that person or say this or do that, maybe if I go to my boss and I try to convince him that there is another way for me to hold that position, or, or maybe, you know, and we're trying in our own ability and our own strength to make something happen that we actually don't have the power to make happen. We can't free ourselves. It's impossible. Only in Christ can we find freedom. So David was battle ready. And that's why he was able to win the battle. It was the hallmark of his life. When his life was summed up, he was summed up as a man that was after God's own heart. Because he had a relationship with the Lord that prepared him. So Proverbs 21.31 says this. It says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory rests with the Lord. So we can prepare ourselves as much as we can, but at the end of the day, that prepared, being prepared for battle is what God wants us to do, but ultimately the victory is God's. For the battle is the Lord, the Bible tells us. The battle is the Lord's. That He's the one that fights our battles. He's the one that wins, wins the battles on our behalf. Does that mean we can sit back and we just get on our recliner lazy chair and we put up and we rock and we, we just kind of sit back and let... No, 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 no. That's not what it's talking about. It, God doesn't want lazy Christians, right? He wants Christians that are prepared, but often our pre being prepared is not what we think. Sometimes we think, oh, we've got to be prepared, which means we've got to have the sword and we've got to be battle-hardened. We've got to be ready and willing and waiting to strike down the devil. And, and sometimes the problem is, is we're so focused on the problem and what the devil is doing that we're not focusing on Christ and who God is in our world. To seek God with all of our heart just for the purpose to seek Him and nothing else. If that's all we can ever do, that will be enough for God in our world. Just to seek Him and to look to Him. You know, I, I know most people here probably know my story and, 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 you know, what I've been through and whatnot. I have, you know, you might have read the book that I wrote or you've, I've talked about this before. But, you know, I've had, I have bouts of depression. And even to today, I still have bouts of depression. They still come and they still go. And I'm believing God for complete breakthrough in that. And um, 
You know, I was just reminded this week, and it came out of this verse in, in the book of Acts that we're going to read in a minute, that, you know, the real breakthrough comes in life. Not when you focus on your issues, but when you focus on God. And often what the devil wants to try to do in our prayer life, in our devotional life, is to get us so focused on the problem that we start attacking the problem, but we forget that actually the real breakthrough comes when we focus on Jesus. When we look to him and, 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 and maybe we don't even address the issue straight away with him. What we do is we look to him in relationship and we start to pray and we start to worship him for who he is in this world. So it's not just about, and not make our prayer time all about me. Not make our time with him all about us, but actually a lot of the time when we pray should be about him and looking to him and speaking to him about how great he is and letting him know how appreciative we are of him and what he has done and what and who he is on the earth. And, and, and you know, all that God is, is such, you know, being caught up in the majesty of God, in the wonder of who he is, where we get, where we get lost in his presence. And we're not coming to him to say, God, can you sort this out? And can you deal with that? And can you do this? And you can do that. But God reminded me this week just to look to him and worship him. Even when you have those days that's down, those days that you don't feel like getting out of bed, those days where it just feels like everything's overwhelming, when you're facing a problem where you can't find a way through. Because every door seems to be closed. Everything seems to be unfair in that situation. But yet, if we can just look to him. And, and, and you know, in the story in Acts here, in Acts 16, uh, verse, verse 16, it'll come up on the screen. Now, this is the story of Paul and Silas in prison. And they've been locked up in prison because, they, because Paul delivered a demon out of a young girl that was a fortune teller and was making lots of money for her owners. She was a slave girl. And, uh, but we see here in this story, a little back, a little bit, if we go a little bit back, Paul has a vision to go to Macedonia. There's, he gets a vision of a person in Macedonia that's crying out to him to come and help them. And so he gets this vision. And up until this point, Paul hadn't felt that there was a way forward for him to go and share the gospel in this region. And so he gets this vision and knows instantly, God wants me to go. This is the direction of God for my life right now, he says. I know that this is God. So he starts to head in that direction. As he's going, he's heading to Macedonia. He comes across this lady named Lydia. And Lydia, uh, he starts to preach the gospel. She gets saved. He, all of a sudden, this mission, missionary, this mission journey that he's on is starting to get some traction. People are starting to listen to his message. People are starting. He's in the promise of God. He feels like this is what God wants me to do. And he leads Lydia to the Lord. Then he goes on a little bit further and he gets to a town called Philippi and it's there that he runs into this, this, this girl and she's a slave girl but she's got this spirit in her that enables her to tell fortunes. So she's able to read palms, she's able to tell people's futures, she, you know we've got them today in our world, they have their little crystal ball, they have their tarot cards, they have all that kind of stuff and here's this girl that's got this ability that was real it was a real ability in her life because a demonic presence in her life had actually given her this ability to be able to, be able to tell the future on people's worlds. And the, her owners, the, the masters she had, were making so much money out of her being able to do this. Here's Paul in enemy territory. All right, he's, he's in territory now. He's gone to this place where the devil has strongholds. 
The enemy has strongholds and they're all around Paul and Silas in this place. And, and, and so he comes across this girl and out of pure frustration after days and days of this girl following them around, telling everybody that they are the man of God. So, so here's this demon in this girl telling the truth about who these guys are. These are the men of God. These are the guys that God has sent to share the good news. She's, she's telling the truth. But yet Paul was so annoyed by this girl doing this. Why? Because any message that comes from the devil, no matter how close to the truth it is, is still a lie. There's still something in it that's not quite right. There's still something in it that's not quite of God. And, and, and often the devil will come and, and he'll tell us things that sound right that have the appearance of right, but yet there's something not quite right about it. And uh, as we pray and become discerning in what, what we're hearing, we can tell. Anyway, Paul gets so annoyed and out of pure annoyance, just out of frustration with this girl, he delivers this demon out of her and she loses the ability to tell the future. Instantly, that income stream for those slave masters lost. So they're not happy. They're like, this is not good at all. We've just lost all this money and uh, it is not fair. This has got to be dealt with. So they go to the leaders and they tell the Roman leaders, this guy, these guys got to be locked up. So they, you know, come before the, the magistrate or the, the leaders and they say, right, lock them up. So, so then we come into the story at verse, let's see, where are we at? Verse, 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 verse. Yeah, verse 22. Let's go from verse 22. So the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet into stocks. Now let's just get a picture here, right? They were severely flogged with rods across their back. So they were so beaten and bruised that their, their, their skin was torn. Uh, often ribs would be broken in this, this, when these things would happen. They had bruises all over their back. And to make things worse, the guards take them into the inner cell, right? So this is the cell you're most likely not to be able to escape from because there are multiple doors to get through to get out of the jail cell. So these two guys... Uh, uh, that, that really are criminals, right, uh, are, are over-exaggerated. It's over-exaggerated. They're put into the inner cell and they're guarded by, by, by guards. Not just that, they decide, you know what, let's put their legs in the stocks. Now, to get an idea of what the stocks were, they were in, uh, if you've ever seen, I'm trying to think of a movie that had it, but often the stocks, we see people and they've got their arms here and there's like a thing and their necks head through and they're like this. Well, these ones were like that, but they also would put their feet through as well and they were locked in and they could not move. So, but what they did is they didn't lock their hands in, they locked their feet in. And most likely, some theologians uh, speculate that what would have been happening is, is because they wouldn't have been able to stand up, they would have had to be laying on their back because they wouldn't be able to stand up, they wouldn't be able to get comfortable. So they would be, their feet would be up in the stocks. They'd be laying with their torn, wrecked back from being flogged on a, on a ground. Now, this is in a sanitised jail like we have today where we have our nice plasma screens and, and we get, you know, all this, you know, not the jail's nice, but it's a lot nicer than what this was, right? This jail would have been um, just rat-infested 
disgusting, probably, possibly feces on the ground, like just disgustingly smelling, no airflow, probably no windows, probably just complete. So, so they're not just facing the threat of having open wounds on their back, but they're facing the threat of having like, you know, some kind of germ getting into their skin and, and, and infection setting in. And here's these two guys in, and they, you know, severe pain from this, laying on their back, can't get comfortable, can't roll over, can't move. And here they are in this cell, completely out of their control, completely out of their control. Nothing they can do about it. Who's ever been in a situation where it's completely out of your control? There's nothing you can do to change that situation physically. They, 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 they couldn't fight their way out. They couldn't manipulate their way out. They couldn't, they couldn't break out. Because how do you get out of the stocks? And even if you do get out of the stocks, how do you get out of that inner cell? And even if you do get out of that inner cell, how do you get out of the outer cell? And even if you do get out of the outer cell, how do you get out of the city? How do you get, how do you get out of it? Like, like, and not to mention with the back, the way it is, you know, I, I helped someone move yesterday. And after, after about nine hours of moving stuff, I'm like, oh, I couldn't move. And that was just lifting things. I could not imagine what it would have been like for these guys. They had every reason in the world to complain. They had every reason in the world to cry for justice. They had every reason in the world to scream at their captors, to tell them what they thought about them. And you may have every reason in the world and every excuse in the world, you may be just in your approach. to say things, to do things, to complain about things. to And you would be right. These guys would be right in what they're saying because they really had done nothing at all. What made it worse is their captors didn't realise that they actually were Roman citizens. And Roman citizens were not allowed to be treated this way. But they didn't realise. And so here they are. And Paul doesn't say anything until later. But their first response, their first response to their situation was not to complain, was not to whinge, was not to stand on their rights, to stand in their justification of who they were, to yell and rant and rave at their captives. Their first response in this inner cell in the middle of the night was to start to sing and to pray. They started to pray and they started to worship. And as they started to sing, as they started to pray, the the sound of heaven started to fill the jail cells. And what happened is all the other prisoners are sitting there listening, just listening, none of them saying anything, just listening to these guys that maybe they were perplexed at the fact that these guys, how how could they be singing? How could they be praising this God that they follow? Look how terribly they've been treated. Look how much punishment they're facing. Look how much is out of their control. They have no control. They they shouldn't even be here. But yet here they are in this jail cell, in the inner cell. And they're not even asking God to set them free. They're not even asking God to heal them. They're just singing praises to God. They start lifting up their their voice in worship. They start lifting up their voice in prayer. Why? Because prayer they were prepared, they were battle ready. And you've got to understand, these guys were in the middle of a war zone. 
And it wasn't a physical war zone like we, we see in, say, Afghanistan, but it's a spiritual war zone where the devil kept coming against them. They, 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 they felt the call of God to come. They come, Lydia gets saved. Then all of a sudden, here comes this girl that's got a demonic spirit and the devil comes at him from a different way. And sometimes you think, man, God's called me to this. How can this be God if I've been called to it, but yet everything seems to be going wrong? And I say, welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to the demonic influences that are around us. Here's the beauty of the story. You have authority to take your stand in Jesus' name. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But I tell you what, God didn't leave us on earth wanting. When He sent Jesus into our life, and when you receive Jesus into your heart as He's your Lord and Saviour, He didn't leave you wanting for anything. He gave you all the power you need, all the faith you need, and all the authority you need to live a victorious life in Him. Now, does that mean that we, we can't, you know, or we're going to have a perfect life and life's going to be like, you know, kind of, oh, the angels are going to sing to us every day and they're going to sing psalms to us and nothing's ever going to go wrong? Probably not. Actually, no. Being a Christian probably put a target on you. I'm sorry, but it's probably, probably a target. But here's the thing. You'd have to worry about that. Why? Because just like Paul and Silas, everything can be going wrong in your world. You can be treated so poorly. You can be going through the worst severe illness in your life. But you have a God that's bigger. You have a God that's stronger. You have a God that is able to do immeasurably more than you can think or ask. You have a God that has peace that we can't even understand. But yet here it comes. This peace was in Paul and Silas in the middle of this jail cell. And everybody around them is listening to the hymns that they were singing, to the worship that they were giving. I don't know what song they were singing, but I can tell you this. It was bringing glory to the name of God. It was bringing glory to the name of Jesus. And they weren't complaining. Lord, deliver me from this. No, no, no. They were singing out to their God and they were praising Him and they were praying. And that's the thing. One of the keys to breakthrough is prayer. Praying and seeking God, not for any other reason, but just to seek His face, just to encounter the living God, to build that relationship with Him where you can sit at His feet and, and, and just draw in His presence and glorify His name and lift Him up. Because when you lift up God above a circumstance, the Bible tells me that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the power. You don't even have to have all the ability because God will do it on your behalf if you would allow Him into your world and say, God, come into this situation. Come into this problem. I'm just going to seek you. I'm going to leave this to you and I'm just going to look to you and I'm going to trust you because you are the way, the truth and the life and the only way is through you. If we are to worship through warfare, then prayer is our preparation for battle. The more time we spend with Him, the greater the victory, the quicker the victory, the more powerful the victory. Persistent prayer. You know the little old lady in the Bible runs up, I want justice. Jesus used that story to show His disciples that they should never give up in prayer. 
the whole point of that story. He shares that whole story. Do we remember that story? The persistent widow, she loses. She comes to the judge, I want justice. I want the land that belongs to me. I'm a widow. It belonged to my husband. I've lost it, but I want it back. She, she's so annoyed, the judge. She so just kept coming every day, knocking, let me in, let me, I want justice next day. I want justice next day. I want justice, she would say. Until the point came where that judge got so sick of her, he gave her what she wanted. And God used that story to say that we should never give up in prayer. Where's the line? There is no line. When, where does it say in the Bible, that's enough? It doesn't. It doesn't say that's enough. Even when we get what we're looking for, God says, keep on praying. Pray continually, the Bible says. Keep on worshipping. Keep praying. Keep seeking my face. Don't ever stop. Why? Because there's going to come a day when you get confronted with something that's out of your ability to physically handle. There's going to come a day when you are confronted with something that's going to try and overrun you. And it's going to be unfair. And it's not going to be right. And you're not going to like it. It's going to be horrible. But here's the thing. If you keep coming to Him and worshipping Him for who He is, that that day when it comes, you will be battle ready. So when you are confronted, you just stand. And you stand. You know the Bible tells, put on the full armour of God in Ephesians. And it says, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. After you've done everything to stand, just stand. Yeah, we actually didn't tell us in, in, in that picture, we have the sword of the Spirit. We have the shield of faith. We have the helmet. We have all the, we have the breastplate. We have it all. But it doesn't then go, right, now go and wield your sword. And of course, we know the Word of God. We wield the Word of God. But what I'm trying to say is after he tells us to put on the armour of God, he then says, now pray. At the end of that story, he goes, pray. Just prayer, speak to me. Come before me. So when we find ourselves in a battle, it's not like we have to go out and defeat the devil. All we do is stand on the battlefield prepared and ready. And then the Bible tells us that the battle is the Lord's. It's his fight, which he already won at Calvary. At that point, the devil was completely defeated on our behalf. To never be able to have authority over us again unless we relinquish it to him. And we worship. The second thing is worship. How are we going for time? Worship. Worship is a lifting of the hands. It's a lifting of the voice. It's a lifting of the heart to God. I stand, I worship, I lift my hands, I lift my voice, I lift my heart. I want to worship my Lord. I want to worship God. This week I just sat down in prayer and I just started to worship Him. I had no music on. I didn't even have my Bible open. I just started to worship Him. God, you're wonderful. You're amazing. I worship you. You're worthy of the worship that you're given. Father, I thank you for who you are, for what you've done. I thank you for your salvation of this world. I thank you for all that you've done in my world, all that I couldn't do. 
I just started to worship him. And I just sat there, just in awe of how quickly God started to move because I just started to focus on him. And then this week, I've just felt ready to take on whatever's come. Just as like day in and day out, just worship him. And it was through this passage that God showed me that prayer and worship are the foundation of God moving suddenly in our world. Prayer and worship are the preparation for God to move suddenly in our world. On the day of Pentecost, they gathered in an upper room because Jesus told them to be there. They didn't know what was going to happen, but all they started to do was pray. And I would assume they started to worship. It doesn't say that, but I would say those two probably walked hand in hand. And as they're there praying and worshipping hour after hour after hour, who, who knows how long that exactly they were in the room. But then it says, suddenly the Holy Spirit moves. And the problem with us as Christians is we want the suddenly. Well, God, move suddenly in this situation. And nothing happens. God, move suddenly in this situation and still nothing happens. But maybe what we need to do is not look for the suddenly, but look to him. Let the suddenly take care of itself and look to him and pray and worship his name. Just seek him. See, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It can be an employment issue. It can be a health issue. It can be a work issue. It can be financial issue. It can be anything. It can be a relational issue. It doesn't matter what you're facing. To truly give it over to God is to give it to him, let it go and worship him. Let God have his way with that situation and just look to him. And the Bible tells us, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, not our problem. Those problems are there, and of course they are, and it's not about ignoring them, and it's not about having wisdom around those situations. But if we haven't come to him, and we haven't looked to him, and started to worship him, and allow God access into that situation, how do we ever think it's going to change? We have to allow God to have the access unhindered. Where we, go, we take our hands off and say, God, it's yours. I've got nothing else. I can't do anything about this situation. I've tried. It didn't work. So I'm giving it to you. And I'm taking my hands off and I'm, I'm going to leave it in your trustworthy hands, Lord. And I'm just going to worship you. And I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And I'm going to pursue what you've called me to do. But Lord, you will take care of that as I seek your face. And that's what I love about God. Is he's always at work in our world. Always. So prayer paved the way, worship broke through. Prayer paved the way, worship breaks through. Worship breaks through. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. Paul and Silas understood the only way to deal with their current problem was to look to God. There was no other way. They were likely... could have been concerned that they could have been put to death 
Because this is what was happening to disciples. John was beheaded. Disciples were beaten. They were flogged. They were, there was a whole lot of things that happened to the disciples of Jesus. Eventually, Paul is killed and martyred. So I wonder what you're facing today. Can I have the musicians come? Are you battle ready? Are you ready for what you're facing? You may be battle hardened. You may have had great battles in the past where God has come through and that's fantastic and they are to encourage us. Don't get me wrong. But that's not going to sustain you. Every day is a new day with God. Every moment a new moment. Maybe we just close our eyes right now. Thank you, Jesus. Are you battle ready? Have you been facing a situation, trying to work it out in your own strength? Have you been completely frustrated because you can't get headway? You don't know what to do with that situation? You may have prayed about it, but, but yet still you've, you've got your hand on it. You're trying to find a way or make a change that would change the situation for the good. What if you just took your hand off it today? What if you just said, you know what, God? I've tried. I admit, maybe even in my own strength, I've tried. But today I choose to give it to you. Today I decide to finally let it go and trust you with it. I choose today to let it go and not touch it again. And every time I'm tempted, I'm going to remind myself, God, the battle is yours. I'm going to rest in your victory over my life. I'm going to rest in that salvation that you've given me. And I'm going to trust that the victory you won on the cross, when you paraded the devil amongst his own dominion, defeated. I'm going to believe that that same anointing is here today in this situation. And no matter how long it takes, I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship your name and I'm going to see it through to the end. To my last breath, I make a commitment to only worship you, to only look to you, to only trust you, Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us today to be battle ready. Help us, Lord, to look to you and find our source of strength in you, to trust you, 
with everything, Father, that we're facing. Lord, today I pray you would direct our steps as we continue to look to you, to trust you, to build that relationship with you. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.